To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 23. We back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, right back down here. Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We go live on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, you name it, we doing it. Oh, man, it's going to be a good show this week. going to be a good show this week, man. We appreciate everybody's support and love. Um, and get to see you watch us uh, through these 23 episodes. We're going to keep doing it, man. Uh, as always, live uh, on YouTube on Mondays at 11 a.m., we go live with Sports Talk with Coach and Curse the Replay. Uh, check that out if you missed the show on Saturday. As always, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays, we live with Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt. Really good show. A lot of good vibes. We five episodes in, and we're going to keep rocking and rolling on that as well. Appreciate everybody's love and support on that. All right, man, we're going to get into the show, man. It's going to be a good show this week, man. I promise you. We're going to we're gonna deep dive into this Kyrie Irving situation. Um, we're going to talk about the Nets and, and, and James Harden, um, their move in the trade. We're going to deep dive into that as well. We'll also talk about the NBA as a whole and what's uh, COVID having its impact on the league thus far. It's been a lot of games postponed, a lot of people coming down with it. Um, definitely a staunch difference from what it was in the bubble. So we'll discuss that as well. We'll get into the NFL. We'll recap the playoff uh, uh, wild card and divisional rounds, mainly the divisional rounds. We'll get into those um, the takeaways from the games that uh, were played over the weekend and say, see what we think about uh, how those games uh, shook up and what we can look forward to in the championship round. We'll also talk about Deshaun Watson. Uh, he's, uh, his relationship with the Texans is growing more and more uh, horrible in the, in, in the coming days. So we definitely will talk about him. Some of the new coaching hires has gone through and who's left out there that hasn't been hired yet or what team doesn't have a coach. Uh, give our COVID updates. And then we'll preview the championship games. We'll make our picks for that. Uh, we we'll do a brief Chargers corner. Chargers got a new coach. We'll talk about him. Uh, do Lakers locker room. We'll recap the last week's games and how the uh, team has been faring. And then we'll do the fourth quarter closeout and we'll give out our awards for breakout play of the week, lockdown defender of the week, and big dummy of the week. So stay tuned for that. So let's get into it, man. Let's do who's in the news, man. Let's get it. So let's talk who's in the news. Ceremoniously, we're going to talk about the NBA first. Uh, <laughs> I talk about this uh, in introductory format um, on Sports Talk on Saturday night. Uh, as always, twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Diva Sports, 9 p.m. Eastern each and every Saturday. Sports Talk with Coach and Kurt. Shameless plug, shameless plug. But uh, introductory, I talked about Kyrie, James Harden, and the Nets. And I want to get into it a little more heavy today because something came out today um, in the news um officially uh i think he might accomplish this sunday or monday afternoonish but um you know Kyrie has been absent i want to say in upwards of six games now or maybe seven um including monday night's game that uh he hasn't played for the new uh brooklyn nets uh <laughs> you know for personal reasons and you know it's it's crazy to me you know that you um you know, could take that many sick days or personal health days, mental health days, whatever, however you want to classify it. You know, you just sitting at home, you know, doing parties and, you know, doing Zoom calls with political officials and doing all this stuff. You're completely healthy for my money, you know, for my optics, but you're not playing basketball, right? So, you know, to get on the positive before we, you know, get on to the resounding negative, he purchased a home for George Floyd's family, which in all honesty, in all due respect to Kyrie Irving was a great gesture. Great gesture. I applaud that heavily. But I want Kyrie Irving to think about this. Would you have the opportunity to be able to purchase that home and do these things um, for the community and be a activist if you weren't making millions of dollars playing basketball? 
So, you know, I, and I'm, I'm all for you using your platform for, for, for good and all that good stuff, but you have to have a balance here, you know, um, to be, you know, what the NFL likes to call healthy scratches for games is crazy. Uh, you know, you got a new teammate in James Harden, you know, so one would think that let me get into the organization, let me get into the locker room, let me start to fill out what's going on with my new team because some people have uh, came and gone. You know, you got, you know, Karis LeVert's no longer there. I think the last time James Harden played a basketball game for them, he was there. He's no longer there, you know. So what what is going through Kyrie's mind when it comes to playing basketball? If you let me tell it, honestly, truly, if you let me tell it, his mind is the furthest away from playing basketball right now, you know. But you have a contract, you know, with this team that says that you need to be playing basketball for them and you're not. You know, and and I applaud the GM and the Nets ownership, uh, governorship, whatever you want to call it, you know, for being patient with this man. I really do. Um, you know, to a degree. I mean, the league fined him for the COVID protocol breach, with like rightfully slow, rightfully so. You know, because that was reckless. You know, no, you know. So it's, it's it's like it's give and take with Kyrie, but you know, and I I, I hit on this on on the sports talk show, and I'm gonna say it again. You know, I guess you can say talent develops tolerance. Talent develops tolerance. You know, you're tolerant of Kyrie because he's a great player. Now, had it been a mediocre or, you know, eighth or ninth guy off the bench, then psh, he'd probably been cut by now, you know, for pulling these stunts. But the fact that Kyrie is, you know, when he's focused, you know, he could be a top, you know, 10 to, you know, maybe six or seven player in the league, you know, if he, if he really wants to, when he's motivated, you know. And you're playing with two other potential Hall of Famers and Kyrie, you know, Kyrie, KD, and and Harden together. That's a mean trio, you know. So, and so it begs the question for me. Now, I've I've been around quite a few, you know, pro college level coaches, players, you name it. I mean, it's up and down the list, you know. And they've all had one thing in common for me, you know, passion and love for the game. You know, so what does that mean for Kyrie? Because I don't see that with him. You know, it. I can smell it on people that are pro athletes and, you know, or even people that have been overseas being pro athletes and, you know, uh, you know, highly touted co- collegiate athletes, you know. And I'm just talking about basketball. I ain't talking about football. Just basketball. These people have literally, you know, eat, breathe the game. Like, you know, they really, you know, everything revolves around that. Anything outside of that is kind of second and, you know, third on a list. You know, just honest. You know, so, and I'm sure that anybody that I've, I've come in contact with or, or seen, you know, on the in media, they've had, they would jump at the chance to get in the locker room and play with this new team, right? Start to build some chemistry because ultimately your, your focus can and should be about, you know, being a successful, you know, team and winning a championship. I mean, that's what the ultimate goal should be for every team that's in the league. Now, whether or not you have the tools and the in the player and the personnel and the coaching to do that, whatever ball game. But you put your best foot forward because that's your profession and that's what you make million dollars of doing each and every night. And like I said, I don't I just don't think Kyrie's focused on basketball right now. I'm not sure if he wants to play basketball, to be honest with you. You know, I think, you know, if he wasn't really if he wasn't indebted to this contract, he might walk away. You know, because I mean, it, it's like it's like getting a new toy at Christmas or getting, getting a present for your birthday that you really, really want it. Like, you can't wait to 
get engaged with that with that new toy. You know, you can't can't wait to engage in that new gadget or gift or electronic device that you get. Can't wait to get rid of it. Can't you know? And you don't want to put it down when you get it. You got a a top, you know, probably five offensive player in the league that's coming into your team, and you don't want to go play with that guy. It's questionable. So I mean, so I say all that to say that what motivates Kyrie? What motivates Kyrie? What is really going to get him, you know, locked back into playing basketball? And how long are the Nets going to put up with this? You know, because this doesn't seem like he's coming back in no time soon. It just doesn't. You know, uh, James and, and KD and had two games together. They both didn't drop 30 apiece, and they won both games. So, you know, are you going to tote the line long enough before they start clamoring trade and then you come back? I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, nobody knows but him. But, you know, I, 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 say, I say this to him, that – you know, it, I, I applaud your efforts and applaud your thinking and think, you know, to understand that it's bigger than basketball and be upset and frustrated with the way things are in the world. But you got to have a balance. You got to have a balance. You got to go to work. I mean, yes, I do a podcast, you know, but it's a hobby. You know, when time comes, I got to get up and go to my job, you know, every day that I'm supposed to go. You know, so, I mean, I don't, I can't be afforded these luxuries of doing a podcast and having internet and, and you know, sound bites and, and all kinds of things that I'm, you know, look around my house each and every day and I look at it and say, wow, you know, I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. You know, I got it pretty good, you know, but yeah, I wouldn't have that without, if I didn't go to my job every day and do what I had to do with my job. So I would say that he should honestly truly have a reckoning with himself, a come to Jesus meeting of sorts and say whether or not you really, truly, truly want to play basketball and make that decision and stick to it, you know? You know, it, it, it calls into question to me about who's his advisors, you know, who's who he has in his corner, who has who ear he he has, you know, and who listens, who he listens to. You know, is it your dad? Is it your friends? I mean, I don't know. You know, mom, I don't know. But regardless, he needs to figure out what he wants to do and and stop disrespecting, you know, your teammates and people that, you know, going to go to war with you with with uh these antics man you know because it ain't all just about you know it ain't all just about activism it's you know youth parties and all this other little stuff that you need you shouldn't be doing as well so figure it out Kyrie. figure it out moving on to james harden now you know i i you know i i, I don't uh i don't like you know how he conducted himself i'm just gonna say it i don't like how he conducted himself in houston you know, because he, to me, threw a real big temper tantrum and forced his way out, you know, and it was very uh, highly publicized and, and immature and childish, you know, but in the end game, he got what he want. But the problem with that to me is that, you know, anybody that's close to his caliber or maybe lack thereof, you know, see these type of things and think it's okay. You know, they think it's okay. I can, if I really am and I'm happy where I'm at and I really don't want to be where I'm at, you know, Kyrie is a little bit in that in, in that boat as well. You know, if I'm really unhappy where I'm at, I'm just going to throw a temper tantrum and force my way out and get to where I want to be. You know, Kyrie's case, it wasn't necessarily, you know, you know, sunshines and rose petals when he got to Boston because it really didn't work out. Now he's in Brooklyn. You know, now Harden forced his way out of, uh, you know, Houston. When, in all actuality, let's just be honest here, James Harden was the problem. It wasn't the people around him. The people around him gave him what they what they gave him. Chris Paul played hard. 
Dwight Howard play hard. Russell Westbrook play hard. You know, coming off injury and all that good stuff. You know, these all these all these guys play hard. You know, in in certain cases, you just were in the in the wrong place, wrong time. You know, I mean, I really feel like that that one Houston Rockets team with him and Chris Paul, when Chris Paul got hurt in the finals, was the best they had, best shot they had. But they just, you know, they were in they were in dynasty mode. Like they were just they fell under, you know, having to face the Warriors. You know, then he fell under having to face the Lakers. You know, who I mean, it just it just you just wrong place, wrong time. You know, and that's and that's a lot of people that have gone down the history of this game. You know, you just wrong place, wrong time. You should, by all accounts, be in the mix for a playoff run or a championship, right? In certain cases, you look on paper, your team looks good, you're playing great, you gotta have a Hall of Fame career. You know, <laughs> but you just at the wrong place, wrong time. You know, and, and you, you just have to face the fact that, you know, it's just people that are in your way are just that much better than you are. The Warriors were just a better team. And, you know, especially when they got KD, my God, you know, it's just a better team, you know, in that run. Lakers were a better team, you know. So, I, and I don't and I don't know that you forcing your way to the Brooklyn is going to be any different for you because, you know, looking at your first two games were great. But my problem is this, is that you and Kyrie – I mean, not even Kyrie right now. I'm just, I will. I'm not sure what that's going to mean when he gets there. But you and KD, just them, you two alone, you know, y'all are really top heavy. You know, LeBron mentioned this about uh, the Lakers and the, and the Cavs team in the past that you know he felt like they were really top heavy. And they need to make a make a move. Might to need to make a move in the, in trade or free agency to kind of balance their roster out to make them more versatile come playoff time. But y'all are top heavy, you know, and we don't even know what it means if Kyrie if he ever comes back. You know, because I'm questioning it now. Is he going to come back? You know, maybe I mean, because I even heard Chris Broussard say that he said that he he's not sure that, that if Kyrie might up and decide he just want to retire at some point. You know, here soon, like not not down the road, but here soon. So that that's a monkey wrench in your whole plan, because you expect to have a real big three, and you only got a two. <laughs> so, I mean, it just really just depends on what Kyrie wants to do, and he's a wild card in this whole situation. But you're real top heavy. You don't have a legit third score. You know, and your bench. When you when I watched, I watched the second game. I didn't get a chance to see the first game they play. I watched the highlights, but I saw the second game they played last night. And when I say that, when one or two of them go to the bench, it's different. It's different. You know, I mean, when you when you know they got some scrappy players now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is is one of those scrappy players. But you know, DeAndre Jordan has never been a guy that can really truly create his own shot. I mean, he's a big, so automatically he can't bring the fall ball up the floor and give it to himself. You know, so that's a problem too. You know, I mean, they got some like I said, they got some scrappy young guys. I'm not taking away from them. And I wish Spencer Dinwiddie hadn't got hurt because that wouldn't really make it interesting. But then again, if Dinwiddie wasn't hurt, I bet you they would actually him in trade. Now on top of having Levert in the trade or whatever in the in the three team deal that he did. But regardless, if Dinwiddie didn't get hurt, you know, and you have Jordan come off the bench and and all that good stuff, you know, it might have been different. Kyrie or no Kyrie. But you're real top heavy. And you literally had to, both of you literally had to drop 30 apiece, you know, to get W's, and they were close W's. Like you literally beat the Bucks by two. You know, now and I'm not gonna take anything away from the Bucks. They're a top end team, but you literally beat them by two. But so what happens if somebody has off night, you know, or you get worn down because, you know, or you know, God forbid you come one of you guys get COVID. You know, and let's be real, James Harden's a little reckless with his going out. So what if he's missing? You know, that's a wild card in this situation, too. And I think KD's pretty. Even KD had to go out for, for contact tracing. So what if you lose somebody in that regard for, for a stretch when it's critical? 
you know, that team is wholly different. Like you gotta literally have to watch it. I mean, it's gonna get different. I mean, they're gonna build, you know, chemistry. I, I'm not gonna take that away from them, but you know, when they when they go to their bench, when they go to that second unit, it is different. I'm telling you. So I mean, I don't know. It really just there's a whole lot of unknown variables for me. And I really feel like they sunk their teeth into trying to be competitive. And I agree that East is wide open. But it's it really to me is going to really hinge on matchups, you know, for everybody, including the Nets, you know, who they match up against and who's playing well at the time, and then can Harden's game translate to playoff basketball? And it still hasn't to to this day, <laughs> you know, Deontay Wilder to this day, it has not translated. So all those variables doesn't make me comfortable to call them a contender right now. It doesn't. I'm just being honest. You know, so we'll see how it goes, you know, and who knows? It could be a match made in heaven. It could get better if Kyrie comes back, or it could get worse. Again, another wild card. And that's a lot of unknowns. A lot of unknowns. And you're looking at teams that are gelling and start to build. Philly's looking good. You know, if if the Celtics can stay off COVID protocol, they look, look good. You know, and that's just in the East. The Bucks gave you a good run. You know, Chris, if Chris Middleton hits one of those two shots down the stretch, y'all lose that game. So they're not going to, you know, and, and we talking playoff basketball, it's a whole different ballgame, you know. So I would like to see Giannis guard KD more too, but that's a whole other conversation. But regardless, what's going to mean for playoff basketball? That's what it boils down to. So I don't necessarily like the next chances more so than anybody else in the East. I mean, I don't think they're a front runner. Really think it, just, it really just depends on matchups and who plays better in the four out of seven. You know, it's no clear favorite. I mean, you're going to say in the West that the Lakers and the Clippers look, you know, like a, like championship caliber at this moment, you know, quarter way through the season. But I'm not saying that for the Nets, the Bucks, or the Celtics at this point, So or Philly. So we'll see how it shakes out. But, I mean, outside of that, you know, like I said, uh, you know, the league is definitely moving. But, you know, these COVID protocols and these COVID games being canceled is, is, is more of a question for me than anything. You know, because if you look at the schedule day to day, I literally look at the schedule day to day, watch the matchups, look at the scores, you know, go through the stats and stuff like that. And, you know, in the last week, you know, it's been at least one of not more games canceled because of COVID. You know, uh, the Wizards can't seem to play a game. Celtics either. You know, they they are back and forth. They're back and forth, you know, but the Wizards, oh, my God. <laughs> this is, it's bad. You know, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just laughing like, man, like, like y'all just, I mean, what's gonna happen when they finally get to play a game? You know, they, cause they don't have eight. The problem is you gotta have eight. You gotta have eight to play. So if you don't have eight to play, then you, you gotta get your game postponed. You know, and they literally like on Wednesday of last week, it was three games postponed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then you forward on, you know, forward on to other days. Like I said, it's at least, it's at least, I mean, clearly, clearly it's not as many games per day. Like you, you might, you have a heavy day on Wednesday and a light day on Thursday. You know, it's just the way the league, you know, schedules and they run. But, you know, you at least you had at least almost feel like you had at least at least one game uh, a piece postponed. I think Friday was the first day in, in like a week that nobody got the game postponed. You know, so it's, it's it's rough out here, man. It's rough out here. It's rough. I just hope it gets better. But the bubble versus non-bubble, you know, way of life is definitely, definitely not working. Definitely not working, and I feel like I mean, and I am sure what's gonna what's gonna what is it gonna mean when these games have to be quote unquote made up? You know, that's gonna cause 
players have to play back to backs, and you know, no matter who you are, you know, you don't play the same level back to back games. You very rarely have, you know, the same level of energy back to back. You know, when you and you got to force all these games in towards the end of the season. You know, that could cause injuries. You know, more COVID issues. I mean, it can cause a gamut of things. You know, multitude of things that could be pro- problematic or, or issue. You know, for uh, the league and these teams. So I just don't know, man. I just don't know. Like I know you kind of you kind of had your hands tied about what you wanted to do and can do. You know, when it comes to you know the protocol because you can't shove everybody in the bubble for seventy two games. I mean, my God, look how grueling it was for for the playoffs. So you're talking about a whole season. Yeah, I understand you can't do that, but it's it's rough. It's rough, man. You know, like I said, the Wizards are the you know the strongest case right now. Them and the Celtics and a few other teams. Suns had an issue, I think. You know, you know, like I said, it's 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 tough. It's tough, but I just hope they're able to navigate it. I mean, the NFL, although I criticized them heavily about what their protocols were, they made it. You know, I mean, they had a little bumps in the road here and there. So hopefully, you know, the NBA will have the same luck. You know. But um, but like I said, you can you literally take out a team, you know, with one case in some cases, you know, like literally, like let's say one person in the Wizards had it, you know, and then that took out the whole team because they were all close contact. Took out the whole team, and nobody can play. You meet them, you miss, you miss them requirements. So, you know, as it all, you know, we're, so we'll run out of standings before we wrap up NBA news. The Celtics at the top of the uh, technically at the top of the East right now, eight and four. But like I said, they've been they missed a game or two here because of because of COVID. Bucks lost the, uh, last night uh, to the uh, Nets um, in a close game, two points. They, so they're second, 9-5. The 76ers are 9-5, and I think they've had some COVID issues too. Um, Pacers are 8-5. The Brooklyn Nets are 9-6. I think they won two, two, four straight. I don't feel like they won four straight. Two with Harden, two without. The Knicks, said that right now, the 60, they're 7-8. The Cavs are 6-7, and the Hawks are 6-7. The Magic went outside looking in and 6-8. Lakers are the top of the West, 11-3. Uh, um... The Clippers are ten and four. Uh, the Jazz are nine and four. Uh, the seventy six. No, excuse me. The Phoenix Suns are seventy five. I uh, was looking at their game earlier when they played the Grizzlies. That was a tough game. Um, good game, tough game. But uh, John Marie kind of took that over at the end. Uh, Spurs eight and six. The Blazers are eight and six. The Grizzlies are seven and six. And the Warriors are six and six. Uh, <laughs> um, this is all, you know. I guess you can say it's all COVID, you know, protocol in hand because, you know, like I said, certain teams are technically ahead, but they got less games. You know, their winning percentage is higher. Though, like, say, for Boston in particular, you know, the Lakers are one game ahead of the Clippers. You know, and I think they both, all they played, so it's 10 and 4. Yeah, so 11 3, 10 and 4. So, yeah, so they played all that game. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's 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 early. It's early, but um, like I said, I, I like what the Clippers and the Lakers are doing um, as far as playing and how they're building and how they're getting better on both sides of the ball as, as games go on, you know, cause Lakers, you know, I talk about this more in Lakers locker room, but they got a nice little stretch where they ran off. They lost to that game in which they had a come to Jesus meeting in the locker room with AD after that Spurs loss and they ran off four straight. So, Hey, you know, that's what you gotta do. You know, you can't you squander moments, you know, that's what championship teams do. So, so yeah, man. So that's like I said, that's gonna wrap up uh, NBA news. But like I said, I, I wonder about the Nets. I wonder about Kyrie and um, you know, I wonder about COVID being you know uh rampant in the league right now and it's hard you know and i feel like the protocols will sound you know i mean because they definitely publicly spelled out how they're going to do things and even withstanding all of that people still get it that's how serious this thing is man that's how serious this thing is it's so it's so crazy it's so crazy 
That's so crazy. But yeah, that's gonna wrap up NBA news. So we'll move on to the NFL. <laughs> so uh yeah. You know, let's 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 hope this season. I'm just gonna say this and I'll move on. I just hope that the NBA, you know, doesn't it doesn't get worse. You know, praying that the season gets gets through and nobody comes down with just having any real issues. And that that brings the thing to me. Cat got it. Carl Anthony Towns got it. I forgot I forgot to mention that. Carl Anthony Towns got it. And, man, and I just feel like the guy can't catch a break, man. Like he lost so many family members, including his mother from it, and then he gets it. And I'm sure he's been careful because he losing all those people in your family and being so you know remorseful for it. I'm sure he's trying to take precautions. He still got it too. So praise for him as well, man. Praise for Cat. Praise for Cat, man. So I hope he gets better and hope he gets through this real fast, man. But let's move on to NFL. So let's start with the playoffs. <laughs> Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it was no shortage of drama in these games. It really wasn't. You know, Saturday's games as well as Sunday games were definitely filled with a lot of drama. I mean, to say the least, you know. And I want to talk Bills and Ravens first. Uh, Lamar versus Josh, you know. And that particular game, boy, oh boy, it was a bomb burner. It was a bomb burner. Um, defensive heavy, you know. I mean, you know, I'm torn <laughs> as a defensive person, you know, because I like to see good defense being played. But also like to see nice you know, entertaining, you know, methodical offense. And it was a shortage of that on both sides. Now, I'm going to give the Ravens a lot of credit defensively. They played a marvelous game against the Bills. They had a good game plan. They literally only held them to 10 points. And I'm sorry. In a playoff game, 10 points, you hold, you hold your opponent to 10 points, you got to win that game. There, there's no excuse for that. Now, granted, Lamar did give them a touchdown, you know, staring down Mark Andrews in the end zone and Taron Johnson picked him off and took it over 100 yards. But, you know, it, it, you have to win those type of games. And that 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 begs the question about the Ravens and and their uh, ability to move the ball. I mean, and they, let's be honest, they didn't move the ball well against the Titans either. You know, Lamar had a few beautiful runs. He made a few timely plays. And, of course, the Titans defense, I've been saying this, has been horrid all year. You know, so you should have had more points than that. And I feel like if they had played a, a Chiefs or Bills team, you know, in, in place of the Ravens, they'd have got walked off the field. You know, but it could have been a lot to a little bit. But that, that game in, in its totality, though, like I said, you know, Josh Allen didn't play, you know, masterful. You know, but they did enough with the win. You know, Stephon Diggs had a good game. I, I will give him that. I think he had over 100 yards and a touchdown. But, um, you know, overall, you know, it was, it was a dogfight. You know, it was one of those heavy-hitting, cold-weather, you know, dogfights that, you know, were low-scoring, you know, and that was pretty much the M.O. of both Ravens games that they played in the playoffs, you know. But just the mere fact that Lamar did have a good game through three quarters and then he goes out with a concussion, you know. And, <laughs> and man, Huntley, man, oh, I, I was saying this during the game, and I'll say it again. That boy's throwing motion from the pocket is something – that needs to be corrected. If you can't correct this point, it's bad. I'm just gonna say it, it's bad. He he looked more he looked better throwing on the run than he did actually, you know, throwing the ball from the pocket, standing still. And that's and that's that's saying something to me. Like you are better throwing on the run than you are standing still in the pocket as a quarterback. Rough. Rough. And I guess RG3 is gone and I don't I'm not sure what he did me solely, but you know, if Huntley's your guy, you know, after Lamar were down, you know, with a concussion. That's, that's rough sledding. That's rough sledding. Now, he did move the ball a little bit, you know, in the fourth quarter, but it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. I mean, they had these chances. They had the chances, and they just offensively couldn't get it done. And it's it's a lot 
it's a lot to take away from both sides. And we'll start with the Bills. Since the Bills did win, you know, I think that their issue, and I'm not sure if this will honestly truly based upon the teams they may face in the next two games if they advance. You know, their run game is is leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, if Josh Allen's your best option to running the ball, you know, no by normal standards, that's that's not a rest that's gonna be a recipe to get you beat. It really is. But look at the other side of the coin, they're gonna play the Chiefs. All right. The Chiefs don't run the ball well either. You know, so I mean, it really just comes down to, you know, the quarterback play and and, and your receiving core, you know, from on both sides. Who plays better pass defense? Now, on paper, the Bills look better in the, in the secondary, you know, but it really just depends on who comes, who, who calls the better game from an offensive coordinator perspective, you know, they ball versus the enemy, which is ironic. They ball versus the enemy, and they are the ones, you know, they're still kind of odd men out of our coaching job next year. Now, the question is, do they want it or do they not? I mean, we can call that a question. We'll talk about it in a minute. But the the overall issue, you know, is that, you know, you uh, you got two great offensive coordinators and you got two great quarterbacks. So who's going to outdo who? Because clearly running the ball ain't your forte. And you have, you know, two dynamic quarterbacks that are going to throw the ball, you know, limitlessly throughout the field. So it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. But I think that if, you know, somebody was able to sneak in a run game, you know, somewhere that you can kind of make it people respected and kind of keep them, you know, off balance, then that might might weigh, you know, heavy in the decision making process of who can win the game. That might it might wait until down to it. But the running game, I, you know, especially you you live with cold weather. Buffalo cold, Kansas City cold, you're not getting away from it. You know, and and history, you know, it's clear the league is changing. But history says if you know, cold weather teams, you know, heavier footballs you gotta catch it's going to be, you know, easier to run the ball than pass. But these teams don't care. <laughs> they just really don't care. Cold weather don't care. They still going to throw the ball. So we'll see. I think the running game, if you had to take away something negative from it, the running game is an issue. And I think they need to be, have, have be more productive on offense because, you know, I'll talk about the Chiefs in a minute, but I feel like they, they kind of got the same issue, you know, a little bit, you know, from an offense perspective. You know, it's, it's been good enough to win, but not great. You know, and do you need great in order to be a Super Bowl champ? It's causing the question. So, to moving on, moving on to the other marquee matchup, you know, of of, of Saturday. Man, oh man, <laughs> the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, uh, they look great. They look great. That's all I can say. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Out of his mind. What what got into this guy? Or it's just it's just is it LaFleur? You know, but to see what they did against that Rams defense, you know, and that Rams defense was nothing to sneeze at. It's one of the best, if not the best in the league. Went nothing to sneeze at. And he didn't care. Like he just I'm just gonna execute these plays. I'm gonna throw the ball down the field. I'm gonna catch you and cover one. <laughs> you know, I'm going th- I'm gonna throw the ball down the field. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna dink and duck to Devontae, and then when you t- you pay too much attention to him, I'm gonna throw it deep to Lazard or or Valdez Scanlon, whoever, pick your poison. <laughs> you know, Aaron Jones gonna and, and company gonna have over 100 some 150 yards on the ground. You know, against one of the better run defenses in the league. <laughs> you know, and Aaron Donald and those boys. Oh man, I mean, it's, it's so much to be said about the Packers' offense right now. And I had to say that they the takeaway from this game is that they look the best. Offensively, like I said, I just spoke on the Bills and, they, and their issues with offense. You know, it's been decent enough to win, but it hasn't been great. Now, if you had to uh, literally, if you had to put up 
the Packers offense, because everybody else's offense is still left in the league, they're playing the best. And the Bucks have to face the Packers in Lambeau, a cold weather area. And Tampa's outside of Tom Brady and Gronk, they're warm weather team. So with that being said, you know, that gives the Packers the edge in my opinion. You know, so I mean, because look, let's go back to the Titans game. Look what they did in the snow, and it's, they're talking about snow again this week. So they look what they did to the Titans in the snow, and, and we talking about they didn't just run the ball; they ran that pass. Devontae Adams had a great game. You know, Aaron Jones and 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 Dylan had a good game. So it's not like you know it matters what they do because it's snowing. They do it both well. You know, Titans eating. You know, Aaron Rodgers is, is amazing, man. It's just it's marvelous to watch him throw the football. He hasn't been for a while. You know, so and he just not getting any it's not getting any worse. Now there's no drop off there. No drop off there. So the Packers they looked looked amazing. Looked amazing. Like the offense is really, really clicking and it didn't they didn't skip a beat off that bye. So if it's really truly Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame level talent and LaFleur's system together, that's a problem until the Aaron decides to hang it up. That's a problem. You know, and if they they could do themselves a solid to show up their defense in the offseason, no matter what they do this year, it's going to be a problem for the next two to three or four years at most, at least, at least I should say, not even at most, at the least. So yeah, I, I really like the Packers' offense, man. They just, I mean, they're running it well, they're passing it well, you know, and it's, it's rough, and they're playing solid enough defense now, which is ironic that I've been giving them, you know, hell for for being lackluster defense here in the, in in the back back half of the season, but. They played solid enough defense now, you know, to the point where they could really garner enough stops. You know, I'm not saying they're going to stop you every time, but they're going to enough stops to make them uh, have more offensive possessions and which will lead to more points. You know, I mean, you don't get much more efficient than a 92.1 QBR rating for Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game. So uh, I think the, I think the Bucks might be in trouble. I'm just saying, it is Tom Brady, and I'm gonna get into on to him just right now. It is Tom Brady, but I I wouldn't bet against that offense the way it's looking right now. I'm just saying, especially when Aaron should be pissed off based on how they played. The last bad loss they really had was against the Bucks in Tampa. You know, now you got to come to Green Bay in the cold. You know, I'm home in my element, and I should be pissed off with you because you be the way you treated me when we were in Tampa Bay. So. Aaron should have a chip on the shoulder. So this game should mean even that much more to him this week than it did in the regular season. So now on to the Bucks. You know, I think I think the, Tom Brady is different in the playoffs, man. You know, and I'll say it. I I have I've I've been the last person to say it probably in in this in the sports media space, but yeah, Tom Brady won a divorce. <laughs> you know. He's remarried, got a nice wife, nice house, you know, dog, white picket fence, looking good, and the Patriots aren't. <laughs> so you have to give Tom Grady the edge and having and giving the credit of, of the of the idea of who was the catalyst in that success. You gotta give it to him because you know, all the culture changes that he implemented and tried to implement from the start of him being in Tampa Bay up to now has paid off. It really has paid off, you know. And I'll talk about the Saints in a minute, but boy, they look bad. And Tom Brady looked good enough, you know. And he took away from the games that they lost against the Saints. He took away the mistakes that he did. And he said, well, we're not going to do is that. We're not going to beat ourselves. And we're going to allow our divas to play well enough to keep us in the ball game. And then we're going to take what they give us. And that's exactly what he did. You know, if they're going to take away my outside receivers, because his big name receivers didn't have great games. They didn't. But... 
what you did give them was underneath routes to the you know uh running backs you gave them one-on-one coverages with those quote-unquote no-name receivers your scotty millers and i think the kid johnson was you know like i say he's a no-name i mean nobody really knew who this guy was until he caught his back shoulder pass you know in the game on saturday uh sunday sunday i'm sorry so you know that no you didn't know who these kids were but they stepped up in the moment when they had to they made plays when they had to you know and they were open you know in large part so you did what you had to do you did what you had to do and you did enough to win the game and that's what to me that's what separated his separated tom brady from drew Brees. you know and other hall of fame quarterbacks you know that he's gone against Peyton Manning and stuff like that you know he does things you know he i'm not going to say you know because Peyton man's like oh, i'm gonna throw it for 40 yards and beat you no tom Brady's, i'm gonna do whatever i gotta do to win the game and that's what makes him more of a winner than you know Peyton Manning and, and Drew Brees and those guys that he's faced. Even Aaron Rodgers makes him more of a winner because he's gonna do what he needs to do to win the game, and that's gonna be ring true in this Packers game he's playing. Now, granted, I get, I get, I'm telling you, the Packers offense is nothing to be messed with, but Tom is not gonna let be allowed to say the offense was the reason or me my play is gonna be the reason why we lose this game. You know, if they outscore us, then fine, but we're gonna do what we have to do to to be play efficient football. And and that's going to make it a close game, a closer game than people might think. So it could go either way. And I'll make my pick later on in the podcast. But I think that it's going to be a really good game. Two Hall of Fame call up quarterbacks going against each other. And you know I like the Packers offense more so than I like the Bucks offense. But it's still going to be a dog fight. Still going to be a dog fight. Now getting on to what was um, wrong, quote unquote, with the teams that lost. Um, starting with the Ravens. You know their offense was terrible. Defense played great. Offense was terrible. And starting with, I'm going to pinpoint two things. And I'm not going to belabor this point because I already, you know, down or that they lost. But pinpoint two things that are issue for the Ravens. Their wide receiver core, and I've been saying this, they need a true solid wide receiver or two that can really separate, get open, and call, and let Lamar be allowed to use his legs as a luxury, not a need. You know, because right now you've re- you're required to allow Lamar to run the ball and to be effective. He, his legs should be a luxury. Kind of like, you know, I'm not going to say he's ever going to be a elite passer like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but they only use their legs as a luxury when things break down and nothing's open and they kind of, they run and get first downs. They have, they run design runs for Lamar right now, you know, on a regular basis, you know, and that's going to help. That's going to hurt you in the long run because look what happened to Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't even trying to run like that, you know, and he got concussed and God knows toe banged up and all this kind of stuff. And if you, if you lose Lamar, especially with the team you have currently constructed, you're going to lose badly, you know, and you're going to be, a, you know, with the rise of the Browns and the Bengals, hopefully, with Joe Burrow coming back, that could leave you in the basement in, in a division if you go, if you lose Lamar. So get him with some receivers, and Lamar needs to work on his precision passing, you know, and he gets a, a, a good, solid target or two. And there's quite a few wide receivers that's in the market that's going to be free agents. So they need to go after one or two of those guys spend some money on them. And allow and get rid of, you know, the riffraff that you have. You know, I mean, outside of Hollywood, I would let Hollywood be a slot, but you need two solid outside receivers. You know, even if you try to develop Boykin, you bring in a veteran leadership, you kind of going to work with Boykin on the outside and let and, and get a good slot receiver or, or somebody they can work with Hollywood in the slot and, and, and go to work. You know, Andrews is submitted at tight end, but you need to figure out your receiving core and let Lamar use his legs as a luxury. And where he work on his position passing and be confident in the receivers throwing the ball down the field to them and them getting open and they'll be better off. But if they don't fix that, they're gonna have the same problems they have every year and they're gonna lose in the first or second round of playoffs. So moving on to the Rams. The Rams, <laughs> I tell you, the Rams, 
They lost their defensive coordinator to the Chargers. He's no, he's new head coach, so that's the problem. Um, but Jared Goff is the biggest issue, you know, in this situation because he, outside of having a broken hand, you know, that was another issue. But his comfortability is drives his production, you know, and it's going to be times in this league, you know, and of course, you know, Whitworth's not getting younger; he may retire, you know. So your low line is going to be different next year, and you don't have any cap space to really make any moves to try to reorganize your team. You know, um, you know, exp- from on the expensive side, so you you have to figure. Jericho has to figure out a way to be productive, even when he's not comfortable. You know, and that's going to be the issue with them going forward. And that ultimately could hinge on McVay staying there. You know, because they're indebted to Jericho more so than they're indebted to McVay. You know, and and regressing quarterbacks have gotten coaches fired. Let's just say, let's just be honest. You know, you know, I mean, look at Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson got fired over the fact that he was wanted to move off of Wentz when they were paying him, and that ultimately got him fired. And Wentz regressed. You know, they're paying him a hundred some million dollars, and they said, "Well, you got to make it work with him." And he said, "I don't want to." Well, you got to go, and that could happen to McVay too. You know, honestly, you know, if you give him a one or two more years like this, and you still paying Jared off that money, they're going to figure out some way to make him work and make you go. So you got to fix it, John. You got to fix it. Always oh, sad day for the Saints. Sad day. Sad day for the Saints. I really, really, really feel for Drew Brees. He really looked his age, you know, and I really feel like they still rushed him back from that injury. I'm going to say it. I've been saying it. that I didn't think he was going to make it back at all. You know, and the fact that he made it back, it was is, is a feat in itself, but he just never looked like himself after he came back from an injury. You know, he did what he had to do to get things done against the lesser teams. But when he faced Tom Brady this particular time in that defense, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. And people knew – you know, from watching the film, that he couldn't push the ball in the field. And if we play outside, we play inside leverage on your receivers, and if make you force you to throw the ball outside, you can't get it done. And if it's going to be late, we're going to pick it, which happened three times in the game. You know, late throws or throws down the seam when you try to force it to Kamara, it was a pick. So they just knew your limitations and decided that well, we got the best run defense in the league, so we're not going to worry about that. We run the ball heavy on us. So and we take about we take you know inside approach to taking away your your inside looks and short routes and make you push the ball down the field and throw outside the numbers, and you couldn't get it done. You know, so I you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm assuming he's going to do it, but it's, it's time. You know, like he look old, Ben look old. I think both of them need to go. I think Philip Rivers need to go too, you know, and I, and I applaud their careers. I'm not I'm downing them at all, but I think it's just, it's, you just got to know when to hold them and when to fold them and, and when to hang it up. Don't hang around long or too long and, and hurt the teams that you're playing for. Because it's just, you're, the time is really passing you by. Only person that's looking young at that age is Tom Brady. You know, and I don't know what he's drinking or taking, you know, what type of regimen he's on, but he's a different person. You know, he's an enigma. You know, he's almost like LeBron. When Le- LeBron shouldn't look like this in 16, 17, 18 years in the league. He shouldn't look like the way he looks, but he does. You know, but they're anomalies. They're not the norm. And I feel like, you know, Father Time is knocking on your door. Go ahead and answer. Go ahead and answer. And I don't know what's going to happen with the Saints. I mean, they, they got a lot of rebuilding to do. I think they're... They, they got a lot of money invested, you know, and they had a lot of money over the cap. So they're going to have to do some trades and rework their cap. And I feel like it's going to be a down year for them next year, honestly and truly. So it's going to take them a while to get back. And whoever decided to be the quarterback, you know, come filling Drew Brees' shoes is going to be rough. I should I really think McVeigh, not McVeigh, but Peyton should have gone same Sean. Sean, Sean Payton should have invested more time into Winston if you want to keep him, you know, because he's probably going to be the best option at quarterback and a cheaper option. You know, to keep for him to be there for a couple of years until you figure out something different, or he can be your guy. I really feel like there's eye surgery and him a year under your system would, would did him did wonders for his his mind mind his mental game and his mind his, his thought process. So, 
I think you should you should invest time in Jamison being your guy because he can throw the ball down the field. He's accurate outside the numbers. He got strong arm. You can throw the ball down the field. As you see, he throw a touchdown pass in the game. You know, so you should definitely invest time and energy into making him your quarterback for the foreseeable future. You know, I think that's what you should do, and it'll be cheap for you because he won't ask for a lot of money. He did ask for a lot of this year as a backup. So he won't ask for any money until he produces. I think that's going to be the issue. So that's for the Saints. You know, so the Browns, the Browns were playing with house money, in my opinion, and I think they should be encouraged based upon the performance that they had. They had opportunities to win the game against the Chiefs. I give them that. I give them that. You know, I think they uh, will uh, ultimately, you know, um, be better even next season. You know, I get a lot of people back. I think they really miss Grant Delpit being hurt all season. I think they really miss Greedy Williams, and then they miss Olivia Vernon getting hurt late in the season. Had they had a healthier roster on defense, I think they would have been even more competitive. Even with Mahomes going out, they had their chances. You know, it just it just it just wasn't enough. You know, from a production standpoint, for them to you know finally push ahead, but they had their chances. So I think you know another year under uh, Stavansky and that offense. You know, and why Baker's cheap. You know, keep people healthy, and they'll be better off. They'll be better off. You know, um, you know, going back real quick as a takeaway from the for about the Chiefs and there, and the takeaway from them. You know, it was it was interesting, and I really feel like them and like the Bills weren't super overpowering. You know, from an offense perspective, but they did enough to get it done. You know, I think they that really is going to play into the idea of what they're going to do against the Bills. You know, because I feel like both of them, Chiefs and the Bills, both had a little bit of deficiency with them running the ball first and foremost. And passing the ball wasn't great either. They did get, they did make plays when they had to make them. So did the Bills. So what's that going to mean for the divisional, from the division round to the championship game for the AFC? What's that going to mean? You know, because you got two high-powered offenses, two great quarterbacks, two not-so-great running games. And, you know, situationally, the defense is better in the secondary than the, than on the Bills side it is the Chiefs. You know, outside of Tyron Matthew, you know, and Ladarius Sneak sneaky good, he's the rookie they got. But, you know, I mean, that doesn't compare to Trey White and, and Jordan Poirier and and Micah Hyde, you know, and those guys and 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 um and Levi Wallace, you know, it doesn't compare. You know, so I you know, it just depends. It really just depends on whether or not they can get pressure on Mahomes, which the Bills pass rushing isn't all that great. Um, they did sack they did sack uh Lamar Jackson twice in the game, I wanna say at least two or three times. So, um, you know, but they got to get because it's Patrick and be able to cover up those receivers long enough for that to get home. And, you know, I think that Mahomes might be a more stationary target for them, too, as well, because he got a banged up foot. And assuming he comes out of concussion protocol, which I think he will, you know, so I think that that will play into it heavy. And uh, and uh, it, it'll be an interesting game. It'll be an interesting game. Like I said, I'll make my pick um, in the later segment and in the playoff preview. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be a good game. Definitely going to be a good game. So let's talk about news in general. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun is pissed off with Houston, boy. It's a rough for Houston right now. James Harden debacle, and now Deshaun Watson wants out. And for my money, based upon how he's getting treated, he's not returning phone calls from the organization at all at this point. They're gonna be forced to trade him. You know, and that's rough because you know, from a if I'm the team, if I'm on the team's side of the coin, that's rough to have to take that cap hit and have to trade him. You know, regardless of what you get for him. Regardless of what you get for him, it's rough to have to trade that man right now. Because, you know, like I said, he just he's fresh off that new deal. So it's going to cost you a lot in, in cap penalty to trade him, number one. Let's say regardless of what you get. Let's say he's sitting in Miami get to it. Yes, you got another starting quarterback. Yes, you got a first-round pick, but you're still in cap hell. You're still in cap hell. So, what, so what's that mean, you know, going forward? 
you know, from a standpoint of what's that mean for your team building? You know, you got to eat this money, dead money for Deshaun, and he's not long, he's no longer there. He's no longer there. So, uh, yeah, I need him to figure that out because, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a rough situation. That's why I said that, you know, the Eagles were indebted to Carson Wentz because you just – you're already up against the cap as it is. You know, the season isn't as bad off in the cap that, that the Eagles are, but it's, it's still rough. And if you take a cap here like that, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse. So where, where does that, what does that make – what does that, you know, put you in, you know, what type of situation to put you in? You know, how, how do you fill the team and, and, and build a, you know, team, build back with a contender, you know, cause you, you, you still missing a head coach. You don't have a head coach right now. You know, Deshaun wants out, you know, and honestly, truly, you know, and I'll get into this in a minute, about the coach vacancies, but what's that, how does that make somebody feel that's still left out there to be hired? You know, f- you know, it does make me warm and fuzzy if I have to look at it going in that I'm not going to have, uh, Deshaun Watson, and I might have two or talking about oh, or, or somebody got a draft or a free agent, you know, because Deshaun Watson is a whole different talent level than there's a lot of other quarterbacks that you might be dealing with. So that says a lot. That says a lot for what's going to end up happening with this whole organization. You know, they might just have to gut it and start over, like you know, almost like they're an expansion team. You know, start over with high draft picks and build around them and just rebuild everything. Just just trim it all down and start over. You know, and, and understand that you're gonna have to give a coach the, the leniency, the leeway to you know realize that he's gonna it's gonna be some time before you win games again. If you especially if you trade Deshaun, oh man, because I really don't think he wants to come back. And you don't want a malcontent in your locker room and saying that yeah, I'm, I'm still stuck here, but I don't want to be here, so I'm not gonna play well. Well, I'm just gonna go through the motions. I'm not gonna say he won't play well. He's gonna go through the motions. You don't want that. You really don't want that. So I don't know. I don't know. But it's 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 a rough situation to be in because like I said, he wants out. You did him dirty, and I think it's beyond repair at this point. I think he's just completely off there, off of them, you know, as far as being, you know, wanting to be there. And that's just it. That's just it. So moving on to these coaching hires. Uh, so um, as of now, um, uh, uh, Sala is now with the Jets. He, he got hired by the Jets. Um, Urban Myers with the, with the Jaguars. Uh, Staley's with the Chargers. And uh, Smith is with the Falcons. So uh, that I think that leaves... Uh, I want to say three vacancies, three vacancies now. So you got the the Eagles who don't have a coach in the moment. The Lions are, they haven't put ink to paper yet, I don't think, but they, they have that guy lined up. So the Lions technically have a coach, technically don't. I mean, assuming everything works out and he signs on the dotted line, they got a guy. I think they got the uh, one of the assistant coaches from the Saints. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, go into that deeply because he hadn't technically signed yet. But, uh, yeah. Going to be interesting with that. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, Salah is good for the Jets. I think Urban Meyer is definitely good for the Jags. Um, I like I said, I'm, I, you know, I, I'll get more into in the Chargers corner about how I feel about Brandon Staley. But um, I think Smith is a good hire for the Falcons um, overall. I mean, they're pretty, you know, pretty much B or A, B plus, B to B plus hires, you know, for those organizations. So it's, it's you know, I think they could change the culture in most, in most people's cases. Um, but that begs a question, you know, because you're looking at, like, cause I just knew that Eric, that, that, that Brian Dayball and Eric Bianami were going to be gone already, you know. And I think they've gotten to they've taken a different stance on coaches that are in place, you know, especially when they're in the playoffs. They don't want to, you know, automatically say I'm jumping ship. Like colleges do this a lot. Still, you know, they say automatically that um, I'm going to be here this year, but I'm next year I'm jumping ships to another team or going to the league, NFL. But 
head, you know, I guess you say position coaches in the NFL haven't been doing it lately because they don't want to take the focus off of them and and make the team have to wonder about what their future is going to be. You know, so I think that's that's an issue that's kind of costly for uh for teams that are successful. You know, and I'm talking about uh, Brian Dayball and Eric Bieniemy as a whole. You know, because to me they were you know probably the top level names in in the coaching uh, carousel that's going to be hired as head coaches this year. You know, and you know they literally would is going to have the, the opportunity to kind of pick their job, right? You know, um, everybody pretty much, you know, wanted Eric Bieniemy. and they interviewed him. Dayball as well. You know, and they, like I said, Dayball was the front runner in, in most people's eyes for the Chargers job. You know, but I think, I think Staley got hired in a combination of two things. You know, and like I said, I'll get into this deeply in Chargers Corner, but I think that he got hired because, one, they've, the Chargers have done the offensive thing in the past three coaches, and they ultimately had worked out. So they ended up going with Staley blowing him away in the interview twice. I think they decided to go a defensive minded coach, although he was a quarterback in in his playing days. So they kind of did a like a hybrid hire um, instead of going with another offensive guy because Bienemy and uh, Dayball both offensive guys. So I think they decided just to go with a defensive guy to shore up that defense, and hopefully he'll be smart and hiring a really solid OC. But Going back to the vacancies and and what the high profile names are left, I think that you know it's almost like there is a detriment to be successful because you don't want to give it away that you're going, you're leaving, right? You don't want the team to have you know the belief that you're leaving, so they want, they might play different. Then then you got the idea of all these other hires being done before you are done. You're playing, you don't actually playing your playoff games. So if Eric Bieniemy wants to leave, because I think it's an inkling that he still wants to stay in Kansas City because he thinks Andy's going to retire soon, he'll just take over that job and be the head coach. But Dayball's situation is a little bit different because because clearly, you know, their head coach is not is not going anywhere right now. He just got there, so you know they, you know they going to you know he's if he wants to be a head coach, he got to leave to go somewhere else. And the problem is all the sexy jobs and all the good jobs are gone. You know you got the Eagles and the Texans. You know who got a a, a quarterback that's that doesn't want to be there, and they're going to be rebuilding maybe from the ground up. Eagles in the cap hell, and you got a quarterback controversy between Hurts and Wentz. You know who you got a meddling owner in both cases, so it's not ideal. So if I were them, honestly, truly, since I'm I'm a product or or been uh, the success of my team has been a detriment to my hiring process, I'm just going to stay where I'm at. Because why would I want to go to the Eagles or the Houston Texans when I could have had the Chargers or the or the Falcons or or you know or even even the Jets in the certain cases because they had the high draft or the Jags the high traffic they had and the quarterback they're going to probably get you know so that that's 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 rough you know and I I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if they really truly stayed where they at for another year and then get a job pick their job when they were ready honestly truly pick their job when they're ready so. So I think the overreaction Tuesday comment of the week is the fact that, you know, we, everybody getting up in arms about what Dayball and Benemy is going to do. And they, I think it, it just sucks that they are still winning because they, they're ending up having to either take lesser jobs or mediocre jobs or stay where they're at. And if I were them, I would stay where I'm at because you're in a better situation. You got Josh Allen, you got Patrick Mahomes, you're the OC. Stay where you're at until the job that you really, truly want. Either that, either, if that's the chief job for Benemy, that chief job being, I mean, if, if, if Andy's going to go soon and Dayball is going to find a job somewhere else when it's a better situation, you know, it's, you know, some, maybe somebody else gets fired next year. It didn't work out. They got a good situation to go to and he can go there, but that'll be my take on it.
So lastly, we'll talk about COVID and, and updates for the playoffs. And it seems being that we have less teams involved now that the COVID cases have been down. There's no, been no significant cases this week that affected anything. The Browns were the healthiest they were all year from COVID and, and injury. So they put a good team on the field. And nobody else really had any significant cases that caused them to lose a significant player that affected the game. So that was a win. So that was a win. So and hopefully it'll stay that way for the next two weeks in, in, of these games, Super Bowl and chi- conference championship game. And we can be done with this and hopefully it'll be better next season. But overall, man, you know, it's been a great season so far. And we'll continue to rock and roll with this particular situation. And uh, we'll preview the Super Bowl next week. But we'll stay tuned for the playoff preview. It's Locked on Davis Podcast. We're back with playoff previews, the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh, man, we're talking a little bit about these divisional games, man, and it was definitely a lot of good football being played this weekend. I mean, it's, what, what can you say? A lot of good football being played, but um, what would what, what, uh, ring true and what's left is the best quarterbacks of the league this year. You know, this conference championship games are going to be uh, old line versus young lines. You got... Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, and you got Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. Now, this is also rematches from the from the regular season, where the Packers got probably their worst loss from the Bucks this year in Tampa Bay. Uh, then you got uh, the Bills got dragged, for lack of a better term, by the by the Chiefs this, uh, in the regular season. You know, and I and I and I pegged that game as, as Josh Allen's breakout game. He gave me, he made me wait a week. He made me wait a, wait a week because he had a good game and subsequent good games after that. But I was looking for him to ascend and and let and let Patrick Mahomes know that I'm the guy that you're gonna have to look at across the sideline for the next foreseeable future. Is a guy that's gonna give you problems. You know, from a playoff perspective, from a you know AFC title perspective, you know I'm just gonna be in your face because I'm that guy too. You know, he he didn't give me a good game that week, but the next week and subsequent 10, 11 weeks after that, he's been giving me what I thought he was going to give me. So it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. So let's look at the bracket. Let's look at the updated bracket. So uh, on the NFC side, we got the Packers going at Lambeau, standing home to one seed against the Buccaneers, who dispatched the Saints uh, in New Orleans this past week. So, man, uh no significant injuries in this game. Uh, we, we're talking about cold weather. We're talking about snow. Now, there's a lot of inexperience uh, on the Buccaneers side. I mean, you got, I mean, let's be honest. Your your uh, quarterback is the most experienced one. He's winning more Super Bowls and, you know, played in the postseason regularly in his whole entire career. So he's the biggest cog in this. And he's, he's versed in cold weather as well, playing in Foxborough all those years. So the cold weather shouldn't bother him and Gronk, but I'm concerned about the other guys. You know, AB is pretty versed in playing the Colts well, playing in Pittsburgh, so he's well versed. But, you know, Mike Evans and Godwin haven't been to this point yet. Uh, Braid has never been to this point. You know, the O-line has never been to this point. I think on the defensive side, the only person that's been to this point uh, or further is JPP. He's the oldest elder statesman in that in that regard. The secondary is all young. So um, I think that'll play a part. And I, I, I said this before and I'll say it again. I love the way the Packers offense is moving the ball. 
and they are very versed in elements and none of that matters to them. They can move the ball the way they want to move the ball regardless of the elements. So they're talking snow in this game and they're talking cold weather, of course. So, and they're home, you know, no fans or fans. It doesn't really matter. You know, they're home and they're in the element. And like I said, it proved to me that it didn't matter what they, and they want to do what they want to do regardless when they beat it up on the Titans in the snow. You know, I thought that was going to be an ugly game. And you would think they were playing inside in, in a dome. The way, they were, the way they were running routes and where they were running the ball. And I give the Packers a lot of credit for changing a narrative that people were giving them last year to this year. They're way more physical up front. Uh, they run the ball. The O-line is very physical with their D-line and the linebackers. They're way more physical and tough up front. They can get that tough, you know, one or two yards when they need to. So that's going to play a part as well because, like I said, the Packers, you know, you know, they run the ball well and they pass it well, obviously. But the Buccaneers got the best run defense. So – can they out-physical them? And I, I think they really could. Yeah, I really think they really could. And I think that the edge should go to Aaron Rodgers and, and fooling Levante David and Devin White, who are playing out of their mind right now on a, on a, on a lot, from the linebacker perspective. So, you know, and just their inability, I think their inability to cover the receivers for the Packers should be the it. Now, I'm not going to say that Tom Brady's not going to play well. I'm not going to say that at all. Um, but I think his supporting cast is going to be the issue. You know, he's not going to do anything that's going to get him, you know, give him – to be the for him to be the reason why they lose, you know. But I just, I just, I think I'll give the, the Packers a slight edge. This one. I'm going to take the Packers in this one. I'm going to say four points. I think the Packers win by four. I think like twenty four to twenty, something like that, you know, or, or higher. But I think that it's a four point win for the Packers. I'm going to take the Packers in this one. So moving over to the AFC, AFC side, the Chiefs versus the Bills, and I talked about this earlier, how that the Chiefs and the Bills offense, which was the you know highly toted in and highly high high very high powered offenses in the AFC throughout the whole entire year, you know Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen connection, you know uh, Cole Beasley in the slide and they even got John Brown back now. They could run the Titans by committee. Josh Allen out here dealing, great offense. Dave Ball has got them boys moving the ball. Same thing with the Chiefs. Andy Reid and Ben we got them boys moving the ball in in Kansas City. But the problem is. You know, in the last two games that they played, at least the Chiefs last game, and then and be, after being off for three weeks, and then the Bills first two games, their offense was good enough to get it done, but it wasn't high power like it was in the regular season. Now, yeah, you can you can blame it on the fact that it's the playoffs and you're playing tougher teams, and it's a winner go home game, so things are you know tighter. You know, as coach used to say back in the day, your sphincter, your sphincter get a little tight when you when you are playing in a playoff game versus the regular season, so it could be that, but. Access says that you know they offenses are pretty much in the same boat. Like they're good, not great right now. So the question will be in this particular matchup is that you know Patrick Mahomes obviously the more experienced quarterback. Although he every game he's played in in, in the playoffs has been from behind, you know in the past. So he does have a Super Bowl on his belt though. Um, you know the Bills haven't been here at all in large part. I don't think I can name anybody on the team that's been in the playoffs this far. So, but I do like the Bills secondary. You know, I don't think they match up okay. Not great. I mean, you know, nobody can match his Tyreek speed. And, and, of course, you know, but the, the thing about the the Bills, which is a good thing, is that they have multiple safeties that can cover. So the idea of, of trying to limit Kelsey is, is, is good. Now, it might come down to who's that third guy on the, on the uh, Chiefs side. So, but this game really truly hinges on whether Patrick Mahomes plays. And he might be limited with his foot. He, I don't know how bad his foot is because the concussion is the storyline right now. So, well, what what's the storyline of, what's the, what's the, 
I guess the, the statistics on his foot, you know, what's the what's the details on his foot and his concussion. As long as those two things check out, I would say Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, in a close one. You know, but I don't think Josh Allen will be the Josh Allen he was when he played him the first time either. So I really think this will also be a close game. I think a three-point victory either way. Now, my pick is going to be caveated because when I'm, I'm giving this pick on a Tuesday and the game doesn't, isn't, isn't played to the weekend. So I'm going to say this, that as long as Patrick Mahomes plays, they win by three. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, they lose by at least three. That's what I'm going to say. The Bills, if Patrick Mahomes does not play the whole game for some reason, concussion protocol or whatever, or he goes out in the game, the Bills win. But if the Chiefs, as long as Patrick Mahomes is healthy and he's in the lineup the entire four quarters, the Chiefs win by three. So I'm going to say the Chiefs versus the Packers in the Super Bowl. So we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how it shakes out. And uh, like I said, we'll preview it next week and we'll talk about what the Super Bowl is going to look like in two weeks after these games are played. So we're going to move on to Chargers Corner briefly. We're going to talk about uh, Coach Hire. So stay tuned for Chargers Corner. It's the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with Charters Corner, the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. All right, we're gonna do a quick Charters Corner. Um, as as if unless you live on the rock, I guess you can say, you know, if you haven't been paying attention to the news, it's been all over uh, sports analyst uh, news and uh, Twitter, no social media, everything like that. The Chargers got a new coach. Uh, definitely wasn't who we thought. Uh, I think everybody had hitched their wagon to at least in Chargers Nation to Brian Dayball. Uh, once the chips started to fall, you know, it was a little clamor about Urban Meyer. Uh, but there was, uh, you know, everybody pretty much had solidified the fact that we were just going to hold off and wait till Dayball's uh, tenure with the Bills were up when they finally made it through their run of playoffs and they were going to re-interview him again and um, hopefully make the decision on hiring him. But it didn't turn out that way. Um, and I think some things factored into that. And I talked about uh, the idea of coaching and, and being in the playoffs and being a detriment earlier. But, you know, and I think that rang true a little bit with uh, this hire with Brandon Staley because, um, you know, Brandon Staley wasn't high on people's radar to be head coach, in my opinion, for some people's money. You know, it was, you know, one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like he came out of nowhere, you know, just came out of the shadows. One minute he was a position coach, next minute he was a defense coordinator, and the next minute he's a head coach. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're, they're using the word meteoric rise, you know, a lot of, a lot of outlets that I've been reading. So, you know, it's interesting hire. I mean, I wanted day ball. I'm not going to say act like I didn't. You know, I felt like, you know, we needed to uh, do what we could to further Justin Herbert's development uh, and making him into a lead quarterback. I mean, he did so, you know, with uh, Pep Hamilton and, and Lynn this past year. You know, I won't say despite it, but he did it, you know, in that, in that regard, he did really well for himself. So to build on that and give him a, a highly intelligent office of mind and day ball was, I thought it was like a layup for me, but you know, if you look at the history of the Chargers, and a lot of people don't unless you're a fan, you know, they've gone offensive driven head coaches in the past three to four hires. I want to say, um, going to starting with Anthony Lynn, who was a running back coach and office coordinator, offensive guy, uh, Mike McCoy, another offensive guy, uh, North Turner, offensive guy, obviously. 
Uh, I think Marty Schottenheimer before that was like the only person that was kind of a hybrid slash defensive guy. So, you know, you've tried in the last three instances over the past 12 years or so to do offensive-minded co- coaches and hadn't worked out. And what suffered greatly is the defensive side of the ball. You know, so I think they decided to go with a defensive-minded head coach on the top of the fact that I think that Staley must just have blew them away when it came down to his interviews. Because they interviewed him twice. The, the interview in the first round when Dayball and all the rest of the guys interviewed Eric Bieniemy and all those guys, even Jason Garrett, my God, <laughs> you know, um, it's more like a relief for me that Jason Garrett isn't being hired. Oh, you know, we have Staley. So it's kind of a mystery what Staley might bring, but I knew what Jason Garrett was going to bring when that was more mediocrity. So I'm just glad that he's not the head coach. But regardless of the fact, you know, I think that one, he likes to, he must've blew them away because he got a second interview, you know, and his, rise to fame quote unquote must be something to it in my opinion you know for me being optimistic because you know he went from being a, a division three college coach former quarterback mind you keep that in your mind i'll bring that back up in a minute former quarterback played at, at uh dayton um for two years um went 65 as a, as a starter um he was a position coach um at, at uh at a three, division three school um john carroll um early 2000s 2010s i should say uh then became a, a office outside linebacker position coach in the league for three years um he, he was in uh, chicago for two and then he was in the broncos for one and then he got uh, elevated when they let way phillips go um elevated to defensive coordinator for the rams under mcveigh um last year and granted he took that defense which you know on paper doesn't look uh, amazing outside of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who are the top in their position. Let's not get, let's not, let's not, you know, let's not, you know, I guess you can say diminish that fact. We, we don't want to diminish that fact, but you know, it, it, it goes without saying that he, the totality of that defense and what they, how well they played. If you're not, if you didn't, if you didn't have to face the Packers, obviously the Packers just did what they want with them, but everybody else had, had struggles against this defense. So, you know, it's, it seems as if, you know, people are trying to capitalize on his, I guess you can say, his leadership skills. Um, so, and I guess I, he must have blown Telesco and, and Hispanos family away in his interviews to be able to be hired over the fact that you will wait on Dayball or Eric Benemy for that fact, because Eric Benemy was still in the, in, the, in the wings too. And I talked about that earlier about what's the story with them and them being, you know, uh, I guess you can say, a, 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 I guess you can say the a negative to their success. Like it was, a, it was one of those things where you, are successful and it's going to a detriment for your next job because you know you're going to end up with a if you decide to be a head coach you're going to end up with a shitty job <laughs> let's just be real all the good jobs are gone you know at this point the last good job was the charge job in my opinion so what are you going to do now you know so what is dayball and being me i would honestly truly stay where i'm at i wouldn't move i wouldn't leave where i'm at i did i wouldn't do it but that's just up to them they may just feel like they can do something with those organizations but regardless you know it's interesting hire i think that Durbin James, uh, Kenneth Murray, um, you know, Chris Hayward and can we start Casey Hayward and Chris Harris happy, you know, uh, you know, defense is overall happy. There's rumors too, as well, that he's going to try to poach just a few free agents from the Rams that were under his program to come over to us. So it, it really could definitely help our defense. Now it's just a really a question of who he decides to pick. Um, as office coordinator, is he going to try to keep Pep Hamilton? Is he going to try to find a, a OC? And I, and I say this before and I say it again, if you're a certain-minded coach, you know, if you're a defensive-minded coach, you need to hire an excellent, you know, almost like a, a former head coach as your offensive coordinator, you know, so he can literally take over that side of the building and you don't have to worry about it. 
You focus on what the defense has got going on, and you worry about let the offensive coordinator handle his business, and you know mo- mimic, monitor, and 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 I guess you can say, you know, work with the offense to the best of his ability, and it won't be any issues because you have to have balance. You know, you can't have a you know struggling offense in the top ten defense. It's just it's just not gonna work out well for you if you're trying to go places. You know, so if he can. If they, whatever the OC is going to be, if they could really take care of the offense and and not, you know, regress Justin Herbert in any regard, then that's a good hire. But if not, then I don't know. I mean, it just really depends on who he's uh, going to choose. But that that's really what it boils down to, you know, who his offensive coordinator is going to be and who his position coach is going to be um, for the quarterback uh, role. And you know, and if he's smart, he would keep Pep. If Pep wants to stay, I mean, I don't know if Pep wants to stay. He might want to do something else. He might get elevated to the OC job somewhere else. I don't know. But if he does want to stay, I would keep him. You know, because that relationship, that bond that he's developed with Justin over his past year is it's not something to be sneezed at. You know, don't don't take it lightly. Don't tread lightly on it because it's it's important. So uh we'll see what what shakes out, man. But I'm I'm more you know, I'm a you know, I'm a defensive guy. My podcast says it all with the title. But I think that, you know, I'm happy for the defensive side of the ball, but I'm concerned until I see who the hire is gonna be for O C that what's the offense gonna look like next year. Yeah, I'm a little concerned. So we'll see. I mean, I'll be I'll be, you know, cautiously optimistic when it comes down to who uh Brian Staley is. You know, it, it gave me one or two things. Like he's, you know, the product of a small bit of success. Is he really ready for this role? Or he's he really is that guy and he really can command the locker room and people are really taking advantage of the fact that he's young, he's talented, and he can relate to players, you know, and I think that that's starting to see i'm starting to see a trend to the younger direction for head coaches because they're not so far removed from the younger generation i just be honest with you i feel like the old guys can't relate to the young guys you know if you're in your 60s and 70s you're trying to relate to a 21 year old kid it just don't work out as well as you got got us you know in this in the mid late 30s early 40s it's different you know especially if you got kids that are that age you know, I mean, you know, a lot of times you guys in their 40s typically have, you could have a 20-some-year-old kid or, or a teenager, which can relate more so to the 21-year-old kid than you can if you got a, you know, baby or older or grown kid. You know, if you're Bill Belichick, he got grown kids who coach. So, you know, they don't know anything about what's going on with these younger kids. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those things we just got to wait and see. I would, Like I said, I would have loved to have Dave Ball, even Eric Bien-Ami, um, either one. I could have picked either one. I could have went either way and been happy. You know, and like I said, I think they would have been smart enough to hire a really good defensive coach. But, you know, of course, Staley wasn't going to take a lateral move. He's just going to stay with the Rams if he's going to be a D.C. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know much about the guy. I have to hear and see him interact with the players and how the players react to him. And like I said, the defensive guys, uh, Kenneth Murray and all them are tweeting already happy, you know, tweeting all kind of emojis. And then they can't wait to, you know, get in and, and get under his system and, and feel like they could uh, – be better defensively next year, but it just doesn't matter what the office is going to do. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. But um, like I said, we'll keep our eyes on it. But uh, stay tuned for Lakers Locker Rooms, Locked on Davis Podcast. Back with Lakers locker rooms, locked on Davis podcast. Oh man, let's talk Lakers news, man. Let's talk Lakers news. Let's talk uh, 
this past week in in uh on our play uh as we talked about the lakers last week uh you know we had um a little bit of a rift um you know i mean it's not a it's a first world problem rift you know that we were having issues doing defense you know and to the point where we, you know we lost that dropped that game to the uh to the spurs and you know ad and company had to have a, a quote unquote come to jesus moment with the with the team and say that we're not playing good defense you know and um and then that boiled down to you know what we're going to do to fix it you know because we're losing games not from an offensive perspective but from a defense perspective we're not getting stops when we need to you know that's just the name of the game you know you run good great efficient offense and you play solid defense and you win a game you know it's just what it boils down to i mean there's no way two ways to slice it no two ways to slice it but you know there was issue with our defense and, and, and lack of effort and energy because i mean let's be real you know i'm a defensive guy I, I know this to be true and i'm not going to act like i don't you know defense is about effort and, and will i mean you got to have some certain athletic ability you know we're coming out of defense but you got to be able to play defense you know so we lost that game to the spurs and then you know we sub we ran a tight game against the bulls you know then we came again we played with the, you know, the rockets twice where a team where was floundering and fluttering because of this james harden drama you know so we kind of those were kind of make right games and i but i feel like you know um from last week to this week we we turned the corner playing the thunder we turned the corner playing the thunder now ironically enough the 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 turning point was the thunder we like so we played well against the rockets but i mean there's the team in flux so we can't really count that but the game against the thunder we really took the cor- turn the corner as far as playing defense is concerned you know, so we finally took that pep talk or that tongue lashing that they gave the locker room to heart and started to really dig in and dial in defensively and started to gel and communicate better defensively. So, you know, we had a great win. Excuse me, had a great win against them. You know, and that's probably the best defensive performance I've seen uh, throughout the whole entire uh, process. You know, that was probably the best you know uh, game I can say. You know, because I mean, like I said, we can go back to the Rockets game all day long. But like I said, that was just a team that was in flux, you know, and we played well offensively. And, you know, it started to come on a little bit. But I really saw the changing of the defensive energy uh, from the team against the against the Thunder. You know, we won that game at 128 to 99. You know, and I don't really think it was that close. Like I said, they got a few garbage buckets towards the end. But, you know, it was a much better defensive game than it was in the past. I mean, just look at the scores. You know, you know, if you look at the Spurs game we lost, we gave up 118 points. The Bulls game we gave up 115, although we won. We gave up 102 against the Rockets, 100 against the Rockets again. So then we get now now it's down to 99 again. That was garbage buckets towards the end. It was a much better defensive performance altogether. Then you play the Pelicans, which you know to me, which is an interesting game because we were down in this one a lot, and I feel like you know there's still some bad blood because this is the team that that traded for each other. How AD got to the Lakers and sent. Ingram and and uh and Lonzo and those boys, Josh Hart, all those boys to the Pelicans, you know, to go along with Zion. So, you know, I feel like there was a lot of intensity in this game, you know. And I felt like the Lakers, you know, were trying to really dig in and dial in, you know, in the second half defensively. And that's what got the job done in this one because we literally, you know, went on a, a I wanna say anywhere between the 12 to 15 point run in the third quarter and that allowed for us to start to pull away you know but again we were losing early on in this game kind of slow, started slow in at home and I don't know what it is about it I'll talk about this our, our last game 
on Monday night in a minute. But what it, I don't know what it is about us playing home and starting slow or playing have lapses of playing bad at home, but we play absolutely well on the road. I feel like we undefeated on the road, but we play we picked our times to play bad at home, which is odd because if the players had to start a day, we'd be playing home more than away. And you would, if you weren't playing well at home, that's that's crazy. That's hard to explain. Really hard to explain. But again, let it, let again like I said, we turned the corner defensively against the, the Thunder, and then we, we, we turned it up more so against the Pelicans, you know, which were, you know, all, you know, solid wins. You know, definitely solid wins. You know, I think Braun led the team in scoring in the last, you know, it was two games. Um, you know, and I mean, AD was, was supporting, but I think Braun – Led the team in scoring the last three or four games. Um, yeah, yeah, he's led the team in scoring. So, um, you know, I think it's 26 apiece in the Rockets games, and he had 21 against the Pelicans, and he had 26 against the uh, Thunder as well. So, so yeah, so, I mean, like I said, it was, it was definitely some good games. Um, but I'm, I was really impressed with our defense, and I'm very impressed with our bench and the way Montrez held and Dennis Schroeder especially are playing. And Cal Kuzma's confidence is getting up there too. So that's all the positives. You know, that's all positive things that we've had going on from a team perspective. You know, I mean, the defense has stepped up. You know, like I said, with some bad, still some bad blood or, or some intensity. At least I, w- I won't even call it bad blood. I will call it definitely intensity, a different level of emotions when it comes to playing the Pelicans each each game because of the AD leaving them and, you know, Brandon Ingram and those fellas going over to them. So always, always a different level of intensity in those games, and it was a really good game. Like I said, we pulled away in the second half, but it was it was it was tough to first half, definitely tough first half. So that brings us down to playing the Warriors on Monday night, right? And we were largely in control of this game all throughout. Like you know, we were up by a lot in the first quarter. We allowed them to make a run and come back in the second quarter. Up by a lot in the third quarter, then we allowed them to make a run in the fourth quarter, and we ultimately. Again, at home, and I don't know what it is about playing at home. I, I just don't understand what it is about playing at home. But for some strange reason, playing at home has been a, a detriment to us. Now, I will say this, and this is this is one of those games where it should have been clear that Braun and AD weren't going to be, you know, dominant forces, which was odd to me playing against a, a smaller, less physical Warriors team because I feel like Braun and AD could have had their way with these guys. But, you know, maybe it was a lesson or a test to see what the other guys can do when they had off nights. Because Braun didn't play well. I mean, offensively, he didn't have great numbers. Let me say it that way. AD was efficient. He had 17 boards and 7 assists but and 17 points. But he really should have been, you know, dominating them in the paint. I mean, you got Looney and these cats checking you. I mean, they can't guard him. And they doubled him profusely in this game. You know, now, Jenna Schroeder had a great game. So did Montrez and, and, and supporting cats. Kuz came on in the second half. But... You got to close these games out, you know, and we had a the last possession was crazy. You know, Steph misses a, a, a layup. We get the ball with like 15 seconds left on the clock. We dribble down. Schroeder kind of doesn't know, doesn't show what he wants to do, dump it down to AD or drive. And then he passes the crew. So Peruso almost turns the ball over. Then before the clock runs out, 1.7 seconds left, uh, Vogel calls a timeout, calls a play for Brown to shoot a three, you know, falling away, he misses and we lose. So, yeah, it was a rough game that you shouldn't lose, especially having to play the Bucks the very next game. Like, we literally got to play the Bucks on the 21st. So, you know, that's you don't want to have to go play the Bucks away losing a game like that. You really don't. You really don't. So, 
you know, I, hopefully they'll get it together. I think the defense was a lapse in this game, which when in the last four to five games, you've been playing great, really good defense, especially on the road. But you get home and you you mess around, don't want to, you know, you gave up a lot of easy buckets, you know, to cutters and, and drivers and uncontested layups and letting Steph shoot threes. It, Draymond knocking down threes. You had to let Kelly Ubre get hot. You know, uh, that that's a rough one, man. That's a rough one to lose. It's a rough one to lose. But, you know, it's, it's kind of sombering for me because, I mean, I like the Warriors. I love Steph. You know, I love to watch them play when they were doing their – when they making their run. I wish Clay was there. Yeah, Clay been in there. That's been a whole different ballgame. And then it might have changed – you know, might have been a got a different level effort out of Braun and AD as well. But, you know, regardless, I just wish Clay was with Steph in order to make these – make this run, you know, that they're going to make whatever they're going to do this season. But she was there. But, you know, can't have it all. Can't have it all. But overall, man, I think that, you know, we're, you know, we have some things to clean up. We have some things to clean up. We definitely got to clean up some things um, going forward. The next, I uh, want to say, four games we had the Bucks away. We got the Bulls away. We got Cleveland away. We got the 76ers away to wrap. And then we got the Detroit away. We got a long road trip. Jesus. Um. I guess this would be the is this the is this the uh, is this the, the normal Grammys road trip that we normally on? Clearly not going to be the Grammys. Well, maybe, but maybe I don't know what they're going to do with that. I'm not going to speculate. But we've literally got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven away games before we come back home on the fourth. So yeah, so that's that's a rough road trip. But we play better on the road, so who knows? We could come back undefeated. Who knows? But that Bucks game is going to be a tough one. Definitely going to be a tough one in in Milwaukee. So. We'll see how that shakes out, but uh, we got to play better defense, and that's, that's the biggest overall. You know, better production out of Braun and AD and, and better defense, and we'll be fine. Yeah, but well, so we'll talk about the game next week, and we'll see what shakes out. But um, stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeouts, the Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with a four quarter close. I was the Lockdown Davis podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Coach Defense. So, yeah, man, well, like I said, each and every Tuesday, right back down here at 10 a.m., uh, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're doing it right back down here each and every week. Also, Sports Talk with Coach Kurt each and every Saturday, uh, 9 o'clock p.m., Eastern Standard Time, always, all times Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Davis Sports. We, uh, we're going live each week with that. The replay for that will be on YouTube on Mondays at 11 a.m. Uh, like I said, check us out. Like, comment, subscribe as always. Appreciate everybody supporting and love, man. Uh, so we're going to get into these awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown in the Fitted Week, and Big Dummy of the Week. So let's check it out, man. Uh, a lot of performance this week. Uh, we got a mix of NBA and NFL in this. Uh, so we're going to uh, talk a little bit about both here. So uh, in the divisional round, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I've talked about him in length uh, in previous segments, and he's he was great, um, quite efficient. I think he had, his QBR was like a 92.1 on top of his passing rating. Being 108.1. Um, he had 296 yards passing and two touchdowns. Uh, massive performance, very efficient. And on top of that, Aaron Jones uh, was probably the top rusher of the week. Um, and with, a, with a, playing against a bunch of teams that don't really run the ball a lot, a lot of passing teams still left in the playoffs. But Aaron Jones was the guy. And I think the team as a whole, by committee, did like 150 plus yards rushing as, from the Packers as a whole. I think Dylan and Williams and Jones together all had a combined at least 150 yards, maybe more. But Aaron had 14 carries, 99 yards. It was one yard shy of 100 and had a touchdown. So we'll give him more for that. Oh, uh, then we have Stephon Diggs. He's still 
unguardable at this point. You know, it's really, it's really crazy. It's really crazy to hear how how much uh, of a productive uh, reign he or a tear he's been on. You know, eight receptions this week, uh, hundred six yards and a touchdown. So, gotta give him shots off of that. So, lockdown defenders of the week for the NFL. We got <laughs> Devin White, man. Devin White was all over the field. Like him and Devontae, they were just taking turns. Like Devontae Davis was a breakout player of the week last week for lockdown defenders. You know, he had a great game. And then I was just when Devin was out, he had a great game. So now they're together and the Devin shines. Devin had eleven total tackles, ten solos, he had an interception, he had a tackle for loss, he had a pass breakup, and he had a quarterback hit. I mean, fill up the stats, you Devin. Why, why don't you? Why don't you? Now, the second person it was it was it was a it was a it was a push because I was looking at Ladarius Sneed from the uh, Chiefs, and he was all over the field as well. Um, but I had to give it to Jerry Hughes for this particular point because it is a very difficult task to sack Lamar Jackson. You hear me? And he had two of them. He sacked Lamar Jackson twice in this game. Uh, he had three total tackles. He had two solos. He had two sacks, two tackle flaws, and two quarterback hits. So to be able to corral and get Lamar Jackson on the ground is a feat within itself. So I got to give Jerry Hughes credit for being locked in the fit of the week for sacking Lamar Jackson, which not many people can do. Got to give him credit. So moving on to the NBA. Now, I, they talk bad about Luka early on and say the man was out of shape. He looked slow. He didn't look like himself, you know, mad because he looked like they picked him to be MVP and he didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, look like himself in the first week or two of the season. And man, I guess he took it personal because when I say he's been flirting with a triple double and has averaged a triple double in the past four games, he's averaging 31 points per game, 11.5 rebounds and 11.5 assists a game and a steal a game in the past four games. Balling, balling. So I would say that's MVP caliber numbers that he's doing right now. So I think he's back on track. Also, I got to give it to Nikolai Vujovic from the Magic. Now, this man has been balling as well. He has 25.5 games, 25.5 points a game, 10.7 rebounds a game, and 4.0 assists, and 1.7 steals a game. So, yeah, these boys out here doing big work, big work. Now, we're not going to talk about their record, but their overall performances have been masterful pieces, have been masterpieces of a of, 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 uh, thing to watch for uh from uh, I guess you can say a Euro European uh, player perspective as well. So they definitely get out, getting their numbers and doing well. Definitely getting them shots out. So Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Stefan Diggs, Devin White, Jerry Hughes, and Luka Doncic and Nicole Vujovic, we give you credit for being locked out, def- locked down defenders of the week and breakout player of the week. <laughs> now on the big dummy of the week, Kyrie Irving. Is this the second time you've gotten an award recently? I feel like I have to go back and look. I might need to I might need to make a list of who they are so I can keep track. But regardless, sir, I, I'm all for I said this before and I'll say it again. I'm all for you being an activist. I'm all for you being for the cause. We need as many people as we can to use their platforms to spread the right message. But there's a time and a place for everything. And you not you putting yourself in danger putting yourself on COVID protocol and taking your own personal days off when your team is out here grinding and fighting each and every night to win basketball games, it's selfish. It's selfish. I feel like most people, and I've looked on TV, you know, your LeBrons or your DeAndre Jordans and, you know, anybody on the Milwaukee Bucks and, 
You know, anybody that's just really even worn a shirt to stay about the cause are doing things to support the cause, right? Now, what you might be having an identity crisis. You really don't know exactly what you want to do with yourself and, and how you want to carry yourself as far as being a basketball player or not. He's going to be an activist. Maybe you don't want to retire. I don't know. But I need you to figure it out because you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your basketball team. And these antics have to stop. They really do. So for you taking a personal day or two for, and going to parties and putting yourself on COVID protocol and then the third and taking yourself away from the team when they depend on you to play and the, they've, the Nets organization has sunk money into you to be a leader in that guy for their team, you're not doing it. So, sir, you get the big dummy of the week award. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it up, man. Like I said, we do this each and every week, and I appreciate everybody's support. Like, comment, subscribe, and share. And if everybody that you know that might be benefit or, or under, you know, be uh, a person that could would want to listen to this podcast, share with them. You know, share the links with them. Whatever platform they can look at, listen to it on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, it doesn't matter. You know, share them, share and share alike. You know, appreciate everybody's support. And in the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down. <laughs>